0: Today on the Matt Walsh Show, there's been a lot of talk in recent weeks about breaking up the country, having a national divorce. Today, I'll make my case for secession, but also I'm going to explain why I think it'll probably never happen. Also, five headlines, including Biden hacking and coughing and wheezing his way through a speech. How long before President Harris officially takes over? Also, another business owner stands up against tyrannical health inspectors and inmates at a jail in Pennsylvania complain that they're being persecuted by the dinner menu. Plus, our daily cancellation and much more today on The Matt Wall Show. Well, you know, if you have a family, um, as I do, we all want to take care of our families, right? And uh, we, all, we think about the things that our families need on a day-to-day basis. Maybe you haven't thought much about life insurance. That's one really important way to take care of your family, something to really think about as we get into the holidays. Now, the problem, though, is that in the holiday season especially, it can really sort of lighten your wallet. Uh, it gets very expensive. So for many families, December is one of the most expensive months of the year, not to mention the busiest. If you need life insurance, but you don't want to deal with the hassle or the expense, especially right now, then I would recommend PolicyGenius. PolicyGenius.com combines a cutting-edge insurance marketplace with help from licensed experts to save you time and money. Right now, you could save 50% or more by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance when you're shopping for a policy that could last for more than a decade you know those those savings really start to add up they're talking about a lot of money you could save over time uh starting right away so first head to policygenius.com in minutes you can work out how much coverage you need you can compare quotes from top insurers they're gonna make all that really easy for you uh, and once you apply the policy genius team will handle all the paperwork all the red tape so you don't have to worry about that it can seem like a daunting challenge to deal with that well they're gonna do it and they're gonna save you a lot of money this kind of service, it's what has earned Policy Genius a five star rating across over 1,600 reviews on Trustpilot and Google. You can go check that out for yourself. But in the meantime, if you have loved ones who depend on your income, don't go into 2021 without life insurance. Go to policygenius.com and get started. You can save 50% or more by comparing quotes, and you can start the new year with one less thing to worry about and also knowing that you're taking care of your family. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You know, it's always better, I think, to frame political conversations within the context of reality. And so we should begin by acknowledging that in reality, there will almost certainly be no serious move towards secession or national divorce. The Civil War has already settled the question of whether states will be allowed to peacefully secede. Notice, I don't say that the Civil War settled the question of whether states ought to be able to secede. I believe they should and do have such a right a union held together merely by the fact that the United Parties are compelled to unity by force is no true union at all, in my opinion. A man might prevent his wife from leaving him by locking her in the basement, but as soon as the marriage requires kidnapping to be maintained, it's effectively nullified already. The Civil War established that states will not be allowed to leave without a fight to the death, not that they have no right to leave. Now, many people argue that the Civil War showed that states cannot leave for a bad reason, like to maintain slavery. I would agree that slavery is a bad thing and a bad reason to secede, but there shouldn't be any authority above the individual state which gets to decide whether that state's reason for leaving is permissible or not. The wife may have a bad reason for leaving her husband, but there couldn't be any reason that justifies kidnapping. Besides, the Yanks weren't marching down south to kill the Rebs to, to stop them from dissolving the Union over slavery. They were marching to stop them from dissolving the Union period. The North didn't decide that the war was about freeing the slaves until many thousands were already laying dead on the battlefield. Lincoln put it on the record that he was determined to preserve the union, whether that meant keeping slavery or abolishing it either way. But to the victor goes the spoils. And one spoil in this case is a fundamental shift, mutation, some would say, in the way we define union on a national level. Once we were states freely bonded together through mutual consent, now we are property of the federal government, maintained in our union by the fact that we'll probably be killed if we try to leave it. So there will be no divorce or secession now without war. And as for war, I really don't think that a country hooked on Netflix, binges, video games, fast food, has the will or the interest to fight a war on their own soil. I mean, at the end of the day, We all want to be at home in our sweatpants watching reruns of The Office and waiting for the DoorDash guy to bring us our carton of Kung Pao chicken. Or maybe that's just me. I don't know. Anyone who's studied the Civil War at all knows that it was, if nothing else, a horrific period in our history when men suffered greatly and died horribly because they wanted something badly and believed in their cause deeply. We are just too apathetic and too risk-averse to willingly embrace those horrors again Whether that's a good or bad thing is a debate for another time. That's the reality, depressing as it may be, but putting reality to the side, it's worth thinking about what should happen. Now, it seems certain that the country will not break apart, but should it? Imagining for a moment that it were possible for states to leave the union without 2% of the population dying again in a cataclysmic war of attrition, would that be for the best? Out of all the possible paths forward, would secession be the most preferable? if also the least plausible? I think so. If divorce were possible, it should be what we elect to do. The reason, as I've argued many times in the past, is that we're already divorced in every way but officially. The left and right, and these groups themselves are splintered, especially on the right, have a wide and impassable gulf between them. They have nothing in common, even at the most basic level. No shared priorities, beliefs, goals, values. We might as well be living in different galaxies you know, if I wanted to meaningfully unite with someone who believes that America is systemically racist, babies aren't people, men have uteruses, the police should be defunded, prefers socialism over capitalism, I wouldn't know how. You know, I, I can't relate to such a person on any level at all. So unite around what? By what? Through what? We have nothing in common. We share nothing except maybe a language, but even that's not guaranteed these days. We used to share at least a handful of cultural traditions, but those have all been rendered political and, quote-unquote, problematic. We don't have the deeper and more fundamental commonalities, neither do we have the more superficial, which means we have nothing to bind us together at all except the simple fact that we are bound. That's not how I want it to be, but it's how it is. If secession and separation are not our fate, and as I said, they probably won't be, then what else? The preferability of divorce becomes clearer when you consider the other options, which, so far as I can tell, can be boiled down to three possibilities. I think if it's not secession, then, then, then here are the three paths that we may go from here. Number one, we could have indefinite stalemate and stagnation. Uh, this is the possibility that Ross Douthit if that's how you pronounce his name, I can never quite figure it out, explores in the Decadent Society, a book that just published a few months ago, which I would recommend. He argues that we're doomed for a while, at least, to drift along aimlessly in political and cultural stalemate, not collapsing catastrophically, but also not achieving or advancing in any particular direction. Um, I tend to agree that this is what's happening and probably will continue happening, but I wouldn't choose it. It's not the best path, even if it's the most likely. The Bible says that Christ will Spit the lukewarm out of his mouth It's sort of horrifying to think that my children will inherit a lukewarm civilization sputtering along Not hot or cold, neither dead nor alive Heading neither toward ruin nor glory Number two, other possibility Escalating violence and unrest Recent events may point to this possibility For a while, leftist radicals reign terror in our cities unopposed Basically, now they're being met with force could continue like this, getting bloodier and more brutal, never turning into a full-scale organized war, but causing untold death and damage all the same. And then number three, there could be unity. That's possible, but through submission. See, there's always the possibility that division will give way to unity, but this can't happen through compromise as there is no middle ground between two diametrically opposed views of life and reality. I can't meet someone halfway when they argue in favor of giving hormones to physically healthy children or insist that it's automatically racist for white police officers to shoot violent black suspects. Where's the halfway point on those issues or any of the other ones that separate us? What's the halfway point between theism and atheistic nihilism? How do I compromise with a worldview that defines itself by its opposition to my own? It would seem that the only way to achieve unity would be for one side or the other to surrender. There's a great gulf between us and nowhere to meet within that gap. But one side could abandon its post and just join the other. The problem is that given our cultural trajectory and the thorough hold the left has on the youngest generations, I don't see them abandoning their post anytime soon. So if any side is going to give up the ghost in the coming decades, I have to admit that it's probably more likely to be the one that I'm on. And that's an option that I find infinitely more horrifying and undesirable than secession. These would seem to be the three possible doors that our civilization could open and walk through. Right now, we're sort of standing in the foyer, uh, wavering between these options, getting a taste of all three. The fourth, the door to secession and national divorce is way off to the side, not being seriously considered by enough people to make it a plausible option at this point. But I firmly believe it would be for the best. America has... Never been a nation bonded together by one shared religion or ethnicity, but we did once share a creed, however imperfectly we lived by it. We no longer have that creed in common, or really anything else in common. It's sad, uh, it's not what I want, but it's the truth. And I wish that now we could all acknowledge it, go our separate ways, once and for all. Now, let's get to our five headlines. Well, anyway, now that I just explained why uh, the, the country should uh, should divorce and break apart, um, let's get to and I, I did want to mention something on a, on a lighter note, um, totally unrelated. But I, uh, I was just thinking about it because I was reading something on Twitter, someone lecturing uh, truck drivers, saying that truck drivers are uh, you know, just, there's no excuse to drive a truck and cars are getting so much bigger now and it's a big problem and we're destroying the environment. And I, 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 I say they're lecturing truck drivers. I can say we truck drivers now because I bought my first pickup truck, which I was very excited about, uh, last week. I just bought it. And something very strange has happened. Now, this was not cultural appropriate. I know I just moved to, to Tennessee and buying a pickup truck. It seems like cultural appropriation. It's not exactly. I mean, we, I always had in mind that I wanted one. We decided, let's go ahead and get it. Um, this very weird thing happened, though, and I'm not I'm not even making this up. This is really I, I can't explain it. It's like a scientific phenomenon, but I've always I've never been a fan of country music. I've always hated it, actually, just viscerally. But I got the pickup truck and now I've noticed that it, it sounds sort of good now in the truck. I've, I'm actually find myself listening to country music. I don't know what it is. It's just that's the secret. You have to listen to it in a truck. And uh, the only thing I need now, I guess, is the cowboy boots. All right, we're going to move on. Number one, Joe Biden gave a speech yesterday after the Electoral College vote. Um, but the headline for me wasn't anything that he said, rather, it was the way he struggled mightily to say it. Let's, uh, let's take a listen to that.
1: Once again, the America, in America, the rule of law more Americans voted this year than have ever voted in the history of the United States, votes counted. <clears throat> and Pence received when they won in 2016, excuse me, or dispute the results margin four years ago. And yet, I thank them, and I'm convinced we can work together for the good of the nation on many subjects. That's the duty owed to the people, to our Constitution, to our history. You know, in this battle for the soul of America, democracy prevailed. We, the people, voted, faith in our institutions held, the integrity of our elections remains intact. And now it's time to turn the page, as we've done throughout our history, to unite, to heal. As I said in this campaign, I will be president for all Americans. I'll work just as hard for those of you who didn't vote for me as I will for those who did. There's urgent work in front of us, <clears throat> getting this pandemic under control and getting the nation vaccinated against this virus.
0: Yeah, there is urgent work. I'm just wondering if he's going to be around for it. Uh, I mean, y- y- you could say it's 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 unfair, the, something like that. I mean, ever, maybe he has a cold or something and uh, anyone that has experienced public speaking. We've all been in that situation before where your voice is giving out and uh, it's 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 not fun. But it does it does. Obviously, it just brings to mind the concern that we've got this 78 year old man uh, who's already physically deteriorating and mentally deteriorating. Who's going to be in the White House. Uh, I I guess now we just, you know, it's always been clear to me that there's there's no way we get to um, 2024 and Joe Biden is still in the White House. As president, So it's just I guess now it's just a question of how long will it be? My prediction is this is what I would predict. You could take this to the bank. Actually, don't because my political predictions are pretty much always wrong. So don't listen to this at all. But I'm going to say it. My prediction would be that within about six, it'll it'll take six months, not for Joe Biden to step down. But within six months, there will be very audible and public calls from people on the left that he should think about step, stepping down. I would say they're going to wait, because this is their plan all along, of course. This, this, this is inevitable, that they're going to at least make that call because they, they want to get Kamala Harris in there. I would say they'll probably wait six months and then the calls will start. How long will it be before Joe Biden actually does step to the side? Uh, I don't know, but I, it's, it's really hard for me to see him making it all the way to 2024, the age of 82, as I've been saying all along, even if he wasn't just about to take on the most stressful job on earth and he was just retired sitting in his rocking chair on the porch, I would still say, you know, I don't know if he's going to be, you know, with us in, in four years. But considering he's taking on the most stressful job, and he's not going to be sitting on his porch in a rocking chair um, and he is going to have to come out of his basement. Uh, it, it just makes it all, the, all, all the, the more clear to me. So what happens? I guess we're going to discover this. If the president is completely incapacitated, are they going to tell us that? Um, How long before they tell us? I guess we'll find out. Number two, big news today about Pornhub. We've been following this story. Here's the article in The Verge. It says, Pornhub is removing all videos uploaded to its site by unverified users, millions of vid- videos in total as part of a crackdown on user uploaded content after two major payment processors suspended service. Um, the decision first reported by Motherboard stems from a New York Times report that found the site was hosting videos of people who are underage and videos showing children being assaulted. Well, yeah, the New York Times found that, but uh, that, that that's oh, it's been known that this, this is this, is, this is not news um, If anyone has been paying attention. The site announced last Tuesday that it would begin limiting uploads to verified users only. Um, it appears that Pornhub has wiped out more than 10 million videos as of this writing. And I don't see the percentage here listed, but what I saw online was it was like 50 or 60% of the content has been wiped out. Which is great. I mean, it's, it's progress. Now, again, I, I would for me, what I would prefer to see happen or what I ultimately would like to see happen is that Pornhub is shut down and his executives are marched to prison and locked in cages in prison for the rest of their lives. That, I think, is the ultimate goal. Um, that's what I would love to see happen. That's, that's what should happen. I mean, when you, when you make billions monetizing child rape, I don't think you should be able to say, oh, my bad, sorry, and just start taking it down and then go about your merry way. And I don't think that's how it should happen. I think there should be real consequences for it. But um this is a step in the right direction. The only point here, like we talked about last week when we were discussing this issue, is that Pornhub again is a multi-billion-dollar porn aggregator um, that has that has monetized child rape and and other forms of of evil degeneracy, and that's how they've they've made a living. That's how they've made their money. Which means you can't trust them. So any any amount of self-regulating, you can't trust it. The question now is, oh, we're only going to allow it from verified users. Well, what does that mean? So they're making this big show of purging everything. Doing this after, remember, last week initially when the report came out, they said, oh, there's no problem. What are you talking about? Everything's fine. You know, we're, we're, we're reviewing every video and we've got procedures in place. Now they're turning around and wiping out 10 million videos. Turns out that was a problem, which only goes to show you can't trust them. So uh, verified users, what does that mean? From what I read, a uh, website called Fight the New Drug, which is a, an anti-porn watchdog. What they say is that the process for getting verified on Pornhub, all that means is that you take a picture, you, know, you, you write your name and your birth date, or maybe not even your birth date. I think you just write your name down on a piece of paper or somewhere on your body and you take a picture and you send it in. Okay. That's more than nothing, but it's not a lot more than nothing. And it seems to me that someone could still be underage and do that. Or they could still go through that verification process and then upload a video that features an underage person or someone who's not consenting. So this is a step in the right direction. It's not as big a step as it seems. Uh, Number three, here's another video that you both love and hate to see. You hate to see it because it's another business owner being persecuted by tyrannical bureaucrats you love to see it because it's also another business owner refusing to take it lying down. Uh, we'll play a bit of this exchange. This is the owner of Nick the Greek Restaurant in, I believe, California, dealing with the, a, a public health inspector who's come to the business to further harass and extort him. And uh, here's how that exchange went.
2: I am not the to know if my tables are inside. Just because the health department has a whole process to go through that takes however long that takes, I have close my business for that time. Who's, are you going to pay my rent? You are you going to pay my rent? you chose to make those decisions, right? I chose to protest by putting my tables outside and I reiterate the debt. I never served one single person outside. I did all take out food and delivery to what exactly I was supposed to be doing. That's exactly what I did. I did not break any, and there's the no law, I did not break any rule. There, there is a law that you're breaking right now by like operating without a permit. I, because you guys put this closure on the restaurant. Right. You, so you you guys yourselves are creating your own rule. And you're getting guys citation for your own rule that's created. It's not by law that you cannot sit outside and eat. That's not law. That's the order that was given.
0: That, that exchange, uh, you can go online and find it. That exchange goes on for a while. That's just a, a part of it there. And every bit of pushback and anger that he is directing towards these people is deserved. And I, I've seen some, some people online, I guess, trying to be, uh, trying to be gracious. I think far too gracious saying, well, uh, you know, these public health inspectors, you know, they, they're doing their job and maybe they don't want to be doing it either. And they're, you know, it's, it's not up to them. They're just enforcing the rules. Um, no, this is, this is a, you know, I was following orders kind of excuse. Uh, these people these bureaucrats showing up to these businesses i don't care if they're following orders or not i don't care if they set the rules or not um th- th- that's no excuse and they deserve every bit of derision and hatred and everything that they that they get contempt that's directed at them because you're at a point right now where if if this if this is your job then you need to step down and say i'm not going to do this job no, it's not an easy thing to do. It's easy for me to say, but that's the right choice. When you're in a job and someone tells you, okay, go to this business owner and uh, uh, you know, harass them for just trying to conduct their business. Go, in fact, go into this business and try to find something they're doing wrong so that you can find them um, even when they're already in the midst of a financial crisis. Because that's what these people are doing. They're just going in looking for a problem. That's when, if you're a decent, good person, that's when you say, uh, no, you could take this job and shove it because I'm not going to do it. All right. Uh, number four, Deborah Messing as an actress. She got herself in the hot water when she said that she, she hopes Trump goes to prison and becomes, quote, the most popular boyfriend in prison. This, this got her into hot water because, now only, only because it's homophobic, allegedly, to, to say that. Um, She wasn't in hot water for wishing this on the president. It was just the comment that she made. People were saying, even some people on the left were saying that's homophobic. Uh, Well, to to combat this claim that she's anti-gay, she posted a clarification. And it may be one of the strangest clarifications in history. I don't know. Here's what she says. Let me be clear. I said nothing about the LGBTQI slash queer love. Rape? Wait, hold on. I said nothing about LGBTQI slash queer love. Okay. Rape is an act of violence. Trump has perpetrated violence on hundreds of millions of people. My hope is, and this is the first time in my life, that the tables are turned and he is the victim of perpetrators. Hashtag LGBTQI ally. So here's what she's saying. No, no, no. No, no, guys, you misunderstood me. Oh, you thought I said something offensive? No, 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 no. I, I, I was only saying I hope the president is raped. That's all I was trying to say. That's it. Uh, and I like how she clarifies: this is the first time. This is the first time in my life I've ever wished rape on someone. This is the, this is my first time. All right, we all we all, we all we all wish it sometimes on people. This, this is my first time. She really and she thinks that that's that's enough. Like she, she really doesn't understand. This is this is a lot of people on the left. They they really don't see the problem. Like she, she's actually surprised that people have a problem with it. She can't understand. She's saying what? I'm just I'm just wishing violence and sexual violation on my political enemies. What do you mean? These people aren't even they're not even people. Of course I can do that. And that's how they see. That's how they see not only Trump but uh, but all conservatives. All right, let's go finally, number five, controversy and outrage surrounding alleged mistreatment of inmates at the Allegheny County Jail in Pennsylvania. Uh, One inmate had a a video call with his aunt, and I guess this is something you can do in jail now. You can have video calls. News to me, but uh, he had a video call with his aunt, and he showed what he'd been served for dinner, and he requested that she make it go viral, and she did, and it's uh, been a a big controversy, especially in Pennsylvania. Here's the video. Watch.
1: This is the dinner that they're serving us in the jail tonight. which is
0: bologna with applesauce in it and Teddy Grahams. That's the only thing that's on our trade for dinner tonight. No juice, no vegetables, no fruit, no nothing. I want you to make this go viral, auntie. You hear
1: me? This is our dinner right here. Make sure you take a picture, too. Send it, to, send it out and put it on it all over social media. Put it all over the f- internet. This is our dinner for the night.
0: They're not giving us our fruits and vegetables. They're not giving us our, our protein or anything. This is warm bologna right here. In applesauce with a little pack of Teddy Grams. That's our train for dinner tonight. But they're telling us to deal with it or eat. Shit. That's what they're telling us tonight. All right. And I, I, I want you to see this. I want you to send it out on on a mass email. Whatever you got to do, get it all on social media to the news and everybody. Uh, f- first, can I can I just say, and, and not that that would be a dinner that I would personally enjoy. Um, I'm also not in prison. You know, I'm not in jail, so. Uh, I didn't get arrested, so I I'm I'm able to go and buy what I wanted for dinner. Uh, I mean, you're you're not an Outback Steakhouse here. You're you're in jail, uh, which is which is you know at least one step below an Outback Steakhouse. Uh, but he says we're not getting our fruits and protein. What do you mean? You got applesauce and you got you got bologna. That's that's a fruit and protein. I don't really understand the applesauce in the bologna. That part of it, it seemed almost like it was like a it was like a. A bologna burrito with apple. It's like bologna wrapped around applesauce. I don't know if he did that himself or if that's what they serve. That part of it, I'll admit is strange, but the rest of it, my kids would go wild. If my kids were in jail and they got that meal, they would say, I want to stay in jail forever. My kids would go wild for that meal. Um, but uh, one other point also to consider is that if You know, if inmates in a jail are are really being persecuted in some way or mistreated, probably they couldn't do a video call complaining about it. I mean, the fact that you're served a meal, you're in jail, you're served a meal, you can do a video call complaining about it, asking your aunt to complain on social media, and she can do that. That tells me that probably you're being treated okay. Maybe even better than okay. I mean, maybe I'm a little old-fashioned. I would say maybe inmates in jail shouldn't be allowed to do video calls. But, uh, but that's just me. Before we get to our daily cancellation, you know, one thing uh, about men is that we can be reluctant sometimes to go to the doctor, really for any reason. I think studies kind of bear this out, and personal experience bears it out, that we don't like going to the doctor. Um, but that's why it's great that 4 is there. It's all about men's wellness. If you need help with ED, hair loss, if you have a cold, Whatever it is, if you're interested in mental health or COVID-19 home tests, Hims is here for you. Through Hims, you can get prescription medication that treats ED. This is real science, real solutions to ED. Hims makes it easy. Hims connects you with a licensed medical professional online who can prescribe FDA approved prescription medication to treat ED. You get the same active ingredient as that expensive little pill, but without the expensive price tag on top of it. You know, this could cost hundreds of bucks if you have to go through a doctor, pharmacy, whatever. Not with Hims. Hims makes it simple and affordable. There's no embarrassing conversations, no expensive appointments. Just answer a few questions online about your medical history and a provider will confidentially review it. And uh, if approved, your medication is shipped directly to your door in discreet packaging and shipping is free. Why live with ED when the solution can be this simple? Here's what you got to do: try Hims today by starting out with a free online visit. Go to fourhims.com/mat for your free visit. That's fourhims.com/mat. F-O-R-H-I-M-S.com/mat. Prescription products are subject to medical approval and require an online consultation with a medical provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. See website for details and safety information. Remember, that's fourhims.com/mat. Also. I want to tell you that on Monday, uh, December 21st, mark this down on the calendar, the historical docuseries Apollo 11, What We Saw, will be available exclusively at dailywire.com, originally released as an audio podcast for Apple and Spotify. A lot of people listened to that and really enjoyed it. I know I did. I thought it was great. What We Saw will be available to watch as well as listen on the Daily Wire Apple TV or Roku app or at dailywire.com. The docuseries takes a detailed look at the Apollo 11 mission to land a man on the moon, it was the culmination of a heated, decades long space race between Cold War rivals, the United States and the Soviet Union. And the podcast explores that. Um, it's a dramatic, inspiring story. Apollo 11, what we saw is a fantastic series to watch with you know, you watch it by yourself, you can watch it with your loved ones, your families uh, over the holiday break. And right now, you can get it for 20% off with code WATCH when you become an insider or above member over at slash subscribe. And make sure to download our Apple TV or Roku app to get all of our content on your big screen. That's dailywiredcom slash subscribe. You get 20% off your membership with code WATCH and access to all of our new and existing content. All right, let's go to our daily cancellation. Now, for our daily cancellation, it's time for another of the fabled reverse cancellations. This is uh, when I am in the midst of being canceled myself yet I managed to break free, turn the tables, and cancel the cancelers. It's always very exciting. So today I'm canceling those who are trying to cancel me for my take on the Cleveland Indians who announced that they'll be changing their name because the name Indians is offensive somehow to Indians. Incidentally, the Cleveland Browns lost last night to the Baltimore Ravens on a 55-yard field goal in the final seconds of the game after Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens quarterback, had run back onto the field after missing half of the fourth quarter with cramps that some say was probably code for he had to use the bathroom. Anyway, my point is that I like to think the sports gods were punishing the city of Cleveland for its cowardice. Um, Not that the city of Cleveland really needs to be punished when it comes to sports any more than it already has been over the last several decades. In any case, the Indians will not be the Indians anymore. Uh, This news has been celebrated by those on the left to assure us that the Native American community never feels more seen and understood and respected than when all mention of the Native American community is removed from popular culture. Indeed, TMZ reports today that Native American leaders expect that the suicide rate in that community is going to go down because the Cleveland baseball team has chosen a different mascot. I'm not making that up. That is really what is being claimed, that it's going to lower the suicide rate. I briefly uh, mentioned this story about the Cleveland baseball team on the show yesterday. I also mentioned it briefly on Twitter. In both forums, I argued, as I have in the past, that having a team name and a mascot based around Native Americans is no more or less offensive than having one based on any other group, namely the Irish. The Boston Celtics, for example, are called the Boston Celtics, and their mascot is a leprechaun. The Fighting Irish of Notre Dame also have a leprechaun mascot, only theirs is a bit more ornery. This is the point that I posted on Twitter. I said, uh, quote, quoting myself, I have never heard anyone ever complain about the Boston Celtics and their stereotypical mascot. If Cleveland Indian is offensive, then so is this. But this isn't offensive to anyone with a brain and a shred of of emotional maturity, and neither is Cleveland Indian. Now, I must admit, I do deserve to be canceled for this tweet only because of the typo on then. I spelled it T-H-A-N instead of T-H-E-N. Normally, I have a policy of deleting all typo tweets, but I couldn't delete this one because leftists were mad at it for another reason, so I had to choose between preserving my dignity and deleting it because of the typo or keeping the tweet up in service of triggering the libs. As George Washington once said, when given a choice between triggering the libs or not triggering them, always trigger them. But much of the outrage, derision, mockery, et cetera, directed at me is not over the typo, as it should be, but over the point that I'm making. A great many media people especially sports media have responded saying just to summarize here basically they say oh you idiot that's that's not the same besides leprechauns are fictional characters didn't you know that what do you think the boston celtics is is offensive to leprechauns <laughs> got him yes leprechauns are fictional characters okay then so you're saying you're saying that's okay so what you're telling me is that it's okay to make a team name out of an ethnic group as long as the mascot is a make-believe creature associated with the traditions and mythologies of that group. That's what you want to go with? Okay, well then, here's my proposal. Let's keep them the Cleveland Indians and make their mascot a character from Native American folklore. Uh, The Lakota, for example, believed in forest spirits who were like magical dwarves living in the trees. Uh, Kenotelia, they called them. Probably mispronounced it. Is that better? Uh, make them the Indians, but with the magical dwarf as the mascot. Sort of like a a leprechaun. How's that sound? Would, Would that be okay? Oh, no, no, that wouldn't be. In fact, that would be even worse, wouldn't it? You'd say it's still a problem because the name is still Indians, and now we've appropriated their cultural mythology and turned it into a mascot, made a joke of it. I've also been told that the Fighting Irish and the Celtics are not offensive because those team names are based on the predominant ethnicity of their fan base. At least historically, right? A lot of Irish people in Boston. Okay, so that's the rule now. A basketball team can make a group race or ethnicity into a mascot as long as it's a race or ethnicity common in their fan base. Something tells me this logic would get a sports organization into a lot of trouble if they tried to apply it to virtually anyone but the Irish. The other excuse I've heard is that it's different because Native Americans are a historically persecuted group. Unlike the Irish who famously have had an enormously easy ride all through history, right? No, of course not. The Irish have been persecuted too, in this country and their own. So, that excuse doesn't wash either. See, when you sift through all of the arguments for why it's offensive to make Indians into a team name or a mascot, but not the Irish, you begin to quickly realize that all the arguments are utter hogwash, as the kids would say. Whatever tortured logic makes Indians or Braves offensive must also apply to drunken leprechaun mascots to represent teams with Irish and Celtic in their name. And those on the left, here's the thing, they could quite easily make their point, achieve their desired end, if they simply said, yeah, you're right, that's offensive too, let's get rid of that also. But they won't say that. They can't say that. Because that would be to admit that non-white groups shouldn't get any special consideration, nor do they corner the market on persecution, nor should we have more respect for them than we do any other group. It It would be, in other words, to treat all groups equally, which is the last thing that anybody on the left wants to do. But they won't admit that, so they're stuck trying to find differences where none exist and ignore them where they do. For that reason, they are canceled. Not me. I'm only partially canceled for the typo thing, but I'm right about the mascot thing. And let's focus on what I'm right about today and always. And that's going to do it for our show today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including the Ben Shapiro Show, the Michael Knowles Show, and the Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens, production manager Pavel Vodowski. The show is edited by Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair makeup is done by Nika Geneva and production assistant McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth,
2: and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show.
0: We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there.